Galatians 5 and verse 16. And we'll read down to the end of the chapter, but we're going to focus on that verse, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word today, and would you help us, Lord? as we look to you and to your truth. Lord, we know the way of life for the believer is what we're talking about here. And yet so often, Lord, uh, we settle for something far less than this. Lord, may it be that your children lay hold upon you and your truth and rise up, Lord, and claim the blessings that you bought for us on the cross. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, then. So we are to walk in the Spirit. Now, you saw the list uh, of, of... sin there, and then the list of, uh, of, of the fruit of the Spirit. And the thing about it is for us that, you know, the, the, the list of sin is heavy duty. And it amazes me how often the children of God get caught up in sin. Now you say, well, I don't get caught up in things as bad as all that. Typically what we do is we look at the worst and we say, well, don't do those things. But we do get caught up in sin. Now, the answer to sin is not don't do it. I always feel like in the Old Testament, the answer to sin was don't do it. Don't do the wrong thing, do the right thing. And, I, and, I, and I, I, my heart goes out to the Old Testament Jew for that reason, because, you know, that's hard. You, you ever have something, you ever put a piece of chocolate in the drawer somewhere and say, okay, I'm not going to eat that. <clears throat> I'm not going to eat that piece of chocolate, and I'm going to leave that piece of chocolate there, and um, I'm, I'm not going to eat that piece of It's a rare person that can do it, isn't it? Uh, most people will sooner or later give in to the temptation uh, to eat the chocolate, particularly when you begin to focus on it. It begins to get a grip of you and begins to get a hold of you. Now, see, the answer to sin is not don't do it. That's not the answer to sin. The answer to sin is walk in the Spirit. That's the answer. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's the answer to sin in our lives. God has not given us a negative list of rules that of things we're not to do. What he's done is he's given us his spirit and he says, walk in his spirit. Walk with him. Uh, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You won't do those things. Uh, they won't be of any interest to you because you, you've got something much better going on. We're to walk in the spirit. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I love that term, walk in the spirit. You see, I don't remember learning to walk, but I'm sure it happened at some point. Uh, when a child is learning to walk, it's really an interesting thing, right? <clears throat> because what happens is a child begins to walk, and they fall down. 
And then they pick themselves back up or you pick them back up and, and, and they begin to walk again. And at first, in all honesty, they're pretty shaky. And I'm so glad that they're close to the ground during those days. Because when they fall, they don't have far to fall, right? Uh, if I fall now at this stage of my life, you know, it's a, it's, it's a long distance to fall to the ground. Uh, it's not something you want to do very often, right? But, but when, the, when we're little, it's no problem. We fall to the ground. And, we, and, and they're shaky for a while. Um, but, you know, uh, they, 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 they learn to do it better and better. And then one day you see them running. Now, what they've done is they've conquered the whole balance thing by this point, and, and they're running. And then eventually, you'll see them able to do all, all kinds of other things with balance. But, but they go from the place where they're walking a few steps and falling over, and walking a few steps and falling over, and walking a few steps and falling over. And um, <clears throat> now, the odd child will do this. You see, the reason kids learn to walk, there's, there's always a reason why they do stuff, right? The odd child <clears throat> uh, can actually get around pretty effectively crawling. And walking is not as attractive to them. If a kid can move pretty, pretty effectively when they're crawling, and you, you see, comes and they, see some kids, and they can really move. They can really, they can really cover ground uh, when they're crawling, and they've got all uh, four <clears throat> limbs on the ground, and they feel safer, and they don't have to experience the fall. What will happen is they'll tend to stay uh, a while longer and not do this thing uh, <clears throat> of walking because it's a bit dangerous. Now, I think that's what happens to believers sometimes. <clears throat> I think some believers, uh, they learn to walk in the spirit and they fall. And they, they try again and they fall and they try again. And they think, you know what, I'm better off on the ground. I won't rise up there. And, and they, tend, they settle for this real low-level Christianity. They settle for, yeah, they're saved, but they're not, they're not really enjoying the reality of what God has given us. Now, let me say this to you. I think, you know, the Old Testament Jewish faith was a hard faith. Man, all those rules and regulations for them to follow. But do you know what? Christianity that's not live walking in the Spirit is no better. It's you trying to do your best. It's you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and trying to get it right and trying to do it. And you know what the reality of it is? It's hard. It's grim. And the thing about it is, <clears throat> oftentimes, that's what a believer who's doing it thinks Christianity is. It's doing the best you can. Bless God, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I don't get it all right, but I'm doing the best I can. The sweat's rolling down their brow. There's no fun in it. People are looking at them and saying, I don't know what you've got. And um, they're doing the best they can. But it's not about doing the best you can. It's about you being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Now, the other thing about walking is this. You know, <clears throat> at first... Kids very intent, it's very very intent. You know, it, it takes all their attention, it takes all their energy to focus on it. You know, and they, they go those those first few steps and they fall, and they they you know they they they're decimated by it, and they get back up, but they, but but they carry on again. But after a while, you do the walking thing without thinking. Here's a good test for you someday. Try and think about what you have to do to walk. Try and think about all the muscles you have to move uh, to walk. Sometime I'm telling you, you'd fall over. You don't even think about them. What you do is you just walk. Do you realize our walk with God is supposed to get like that? That where we don't even have to think about it. Where we're not focused on the mechanics of it. We're just doing it. We're just enjoying it. It's a walk. Here's the other picture that the, the, the term walk gives for me. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> some things in the scripture I saw once so bad. Right? When I read in, in, in um, Genesis, and the Lord came and walked with them in the cool of the day in the garden, 
I want to be there, don't you? There's just something in that that just, man, that just sounds like the life to me. That just sounds like, you know, <clears throat> that was it. That was the moment. That was, that was, that was life. But you know when we're talking about walking with the Spirit? What else are we talking about apart from walking with Jesus in the cool of the day? That's what it's about. So when we talk about this walking in the Spirit, it's not a, a, a rule and regulation that's imposed upon you. It's something He wants to do with you. See, the Spirit's going to walk with you. You're to walk with Him, but He's going to walk with you too. And that's the life for a believer. Those moments, those days, when you spend walking with the Spirit, that's real living. Oh, I realize there's a lot of other things to your life, and there's a lot of other things you want to do, and a lot of other things you have to do, and a lot of other things maybe you enjoy doing. Well, there's nothing better than walking with Him. And that's, that's, that's what, he's, what He's bought for you. So, so the, listen, it's walking with Him. It's supposed to get to the place where it's kind of effortless. You concentrate on it. You don't focus on it. You're just, you're just doing it. You're, you're walking with him. You know, it's, sometimes we get this, <clears throat> this, this idea of, well, I have to be doing self-examination every five minutes, and I'd have to be straining to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to me. And man, it would be exhausting. And it may be a bit like that when you start, but it doesn't stay like that. Rapidly it comes to the place where it's this walk, where you're walking with him where the Spirit of God is there and you're walking with Him and you're enjoying His presence. And that's what God is talking about when He says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, the lusts of the flesh don't do it for you. The lusts of the flesh leave you empty, cold, discouraged. Whenever you give in to them, it's always a bad day. Always. But when you walk with God, you've got something so sweet, you don't want those things. You don't desire those things. See, God knows us. He knows how we tick. He knows how we work. And what he wanted to do in our lives is he wanted to give us something that was going to help us to enjoy our Christianity. He says, walk in the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> having said that, we're going to look a little bit at the mechanics of it today uh, to help us. Now, l l let me say this, that the mechanics of it are necessary, but that's not where you're going to live. You're not going to live with the mechanics of walking. You're going to learn to walk. You're going to learn to enjoy. And instead of you fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, what you're going to do is you're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you know what? What a blessing. Love, joy, peace. Aren't those the things the world actually strives after? Aren't those the things that they're looking for? And God says, I will give them to you without you even thinking about them. You just walk with me and they will happen in your life. Right? So that's what God is talking He's talking about something wonderful for us, but there are uh, some mechanics. First of all, the Holy Spirit is holy. And in order for us to walk with him, we have to be holy. Now, here's, here's, here's the first stumbling block for a lot of people. A lot of people feel, well, you know what, I can't do that. I got this and this and this going on in my life, and I'm just not holy. I'm just not, that. I'm just not holy enough for it. I, I, can, I can never do it. I've got all these wrongs going on in my life. Well, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ made it possible for you and I to be holy. And it's not about us striving to be holy. It's not about us doing. It's about us understanding and applying some things in our lives. 
So first of all, Romans chapter 6 tells us we're to reckon ourselves dead to the sin nature. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, right? When it says destroyed there, it doesn't mean removed, because you know that, that, that that's not true. Everybody in this room has a sin nature. And everybody in this room gives in to that sin nature from time to time, to a lesser or greater extent, but we give in to that sin nature. Right? It's not saying it's been removed, because you know that, that just wouldn't be uh, realistic. What it is saying, it's destroyed. And destroyed there means this. It means its power is broken. Right? It's kind of like this. Give you a, <clears throat> a homespun illustration. It's kind of like you have a bicycle with the chain off. It's disconnected. You can pedal all you like on your bicycle with the chain off, but the chain's off. It's not going anywhere. The wheels are not turning. It's not happening, right? Now, when it comes to sin, its power has been broken. God has taken and God has changed it in your life, and he wants you to reckon on that. He wants you to understand that. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he didn't just, you know... <clears throat> break the, the, the penalty of sin for you. You know, we're not going to hell because Jesus died on the cross. He, what he did was he broke the power of sin too. What he did was he took your sin and he said, it's no longer going to be your master. I have mastered it and it is no longer allowed to be your master. I have destroyed its power in your life. Now, here's what you can do. You can either reckon on that truth and live with it or you can reckon on the truth that that's too good to be true. There's no way I could live in that place where, <clears throat> where um, I have the victory over sin. It's not possible. Now, the Word says it's true. And when the Word says it's true, it's always true regardless of your experience or my experience. It's always true. So what God is saying to you there is that your old man died with him. Now, here's what you've got to do. You've got to bite the bullet on this. You don't have to sin anymore. You may choose to. You may have chosen to do some really bad things since you got saved. But you need to square up to it and say, I chose to do them. Before you were saved, it wasn't the same. Before you were saved, you were a sinner by nature with no power over it. And what you did was you, you sinned. But after you were saved, the power of sin was broken. And what happens for you is you don't have to do it anymore. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what your experience is. That's the, the truth of the scripture. And remember, we're looking to get into that sweet place where we're walking with the Spirit. Well, we can't walk with the Spirit apart from us being holy. We have to be holy. And to be holy, we've got to understand that our old man died with Christ. By the way, don't do this. Don't, don't say, well, you know, I know, that, I know that's what the Bible says. And I've kind of read that in Romans chapter 6 before, and I've heard that preached before, but it doesn't work for me. I'm just trying to do the best I can. Because if you're trying to do the best you can, what you're doing is you're not applying the supernatural power that's necessary for you to deal with sin in your life. You might make a fair shake of it as far as the world is concerned. You might be a whole lot better than you used to be. But you're not going to be holy enough for the Holy Spirit. You're not going to enjoy a walk in the Spirit. You're not going to enjoy that. You've got to come to the place where holiness becomes real for you. Uh, secondly, you've got to reckon yourself dead to sin's habit pattern left from the old man and reckon ourselves alive to Christ. Romans 6.11 Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I'm dead to the power of sin. Its power is broken in my life, but I'm alive now unto God. I wasn't like that before I was saved. I was neither dead to sin nor alive unto God. 
But since I got saved, I'm dead to the power of sin, and I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto His power. Now what that's saying to you is that the power of the living God is available for you to deal with sin. Now do you think that's enough power to deal with the sin in your life? It definitely is. You say, well, I got this one that really kind of drags. It's, there's definitely enough power there to deal with it. A couple of things that you need to watch out for. When do you really want to get rid of sin? Do you know why we do sin? We do sin because it suits us. There's pleasure in sin for a season, and we kind of like the pleasure, so we do sin because there's pleasure in sin for a season. Now, you're never going to have victory over sin as long as you're enjoying the pleasure of sin and saying, that, that I like it. I'm kind of enjoying it. If you're enjoying the pleasure of sin, you know what? You're never going to come to the place where you have victory over it. Why would you? And oftentimes that's what happens. We, 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 we get pleasure from it, so we kind of enjoy it, so we stick with it. You've got to come to the place where you're saying, hang on a minute, I don't want this anymore. Now, you know the reason why you don't want it anymore? Because you're losing out. Sin is always a losing game. You're losing out. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death is separation from God. What your sin is costing you is this wonderful walk with God that you can have. Is it worth it? No. Never. You've got to come to the place where you understand, no, 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 no. I'm missing out on something better. God has so geared us that we're not completely altruistic in the sense that we do things because it's the right thing. He has so geared us that we do things because they're good for us. And so he built in lots of good for us in this. And he said, listen, I want you to understand sin won't fly. Not now, not ever. But I want you to do this. I want you to take and I want you to actually get rid of sin. Reckon yourself dead to sin, um, but alive unto God. And I want you to understand you can have victory. You just got to want it. And it's yours. Because the power of sin is broken and the power of Christ is available. Man, that's, that's double here. One that's been broken. If God said to you, okay, uh, your power, uh, the power of sin is broken there. If God said to you, listen, it's, it, 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 it's broken, but you don't have anything uh, power to deal with it, what you would find is I'm still stuck. But what God says is, no, the power of sin is broken, and I've given you power to actually deal with it. I've given you my power to take away sin's power so that you can deal with it, right? <clears throat> so, uh, so uh, two thoughts there. First, reckon yourself dead to sin, right? <clears throat> and then understand sin's power is broken and Christ's power is available to you. Christ's power is there working, is available to you, helping you to be all uh, that God would have you to be, and for you to actually have victory uh, over sin in your life, right? Now, there's a third thing. Romans 6.13 says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, here's, here's, here's what's wrong. You're dead to sin. Its power is broken. Reckon yourself dead and alive unto God. The, the power of Christ is in, and then yield yourself to that power. Now, does, that sound, does any part of that sound hard? Understand, power, sin's power is broken. Reckon it to be so, and the power of Christ is available. And then yield yourself to God. 
That's not hard. The, the, the biggest thing that needs to be fixed in this issue is we need our wanter fixed. We need our desire fixed. We need to not be in the place where we're letting that desire for sin dominate and rule. We need to understand, you know what? <clears throat> that God has given me the power to overcome this thing. I can be holy. Now, now, let's kind of apply that in our lives this morning. What sin is bothering you this week, this morning? What sin in your life is standing between you and that Beautiful, sweet walk with him. What is it that, 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 that's holding you back? Is, is there a bitterness there? Is there a lust there in your life? You know, uh, is there um, <clears throat> some lack of love? Is there some unbelief in your life? What sin is there in your life that's actually hindering you? God says there's power enough for you to deal with it, break it, and overcome it. And you say, well, what am I going to do about that, Pastor? I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I kind of believe it, but my reality is different from what you're saying. Well, what you've got to do is you've got to apply it. You've got to actually go to the place where you say, okay, I believe it. Now, Lord, this, this sin, it's been bothering me. It's been, it's been strangling me. But, Lord, you know what? From today on, by your grace, I'm not doing it anymore. It's wrong. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it to be part of my life. I, 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 want it. I want victory over this thing. And what you're going to find is that there is victory available. Now, understand this. It's supernatural victory. It's not you doing it. It's supernatural victory. Victory, it's you flying above sin's power because that's what God has promised you. Now, nothing else is good enough in this thing. You say, well, I think I've managed it myself, Pastor. You know, I've been, I've been looking at this, doing this thing for a long time and I've, I got it licked. I got, the, got things sorted out in my life. You don't. You can't be the Holy, the Holy Spirit is talking about, apart from the power of God working in your life. You just can't. We need to come to the place where we reckon on these truths and we apply them uh, in our lives. All right, so that's the first thing. If we're going to walk with the Spirit, we need to be holy because He's the Holy Spirit. Then number two, we need to not quench the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to quench the Spirit? What well, means to quench? To, if I had a candle lighting up here and I asked you to quench it, well, you might come with a cup of water and throw it on it. You might be really brave and get your fingers and lick your fingers and, uh, and put it up. But you might blow it up. But one way or the other, you would quench it. You would put it out. Do you realize that when we walk in the Spirit, we can also quench the Spirit? We can put out His working in our lives. And, and some of you can relate to that. Some of you can say, yeah, there was a time when I was there. I was enjoying that walk. I was living in the heavenlies with him and enjoying his presence. And there was a time when I was just there and it was real for me, but, but not anymore. You know, what's happened in my life is, <clears throat> it's different now. Uh, what's happened in my life is, you know, from uh, I'm not there anymore. I'm not enjoying that anymore. Well, <clears throat> you know, what happened is you quenched the spirit in your life. You quenched his working. Now, listen, the good news is this, right? You put him out, but he will light you up again. If that's what you really want. But part of this learning to walk is learning not to quench him. Learning not to do those things that put the Spirit out in your life. Now, if you've been up there and you're now down there, listen, you can get back there. Right? But you need to learn 
not to be in a place where you're quenching the Spirit of God and quenching His working in your life. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 uh, says, quench not the Spirit. And that's where we're going. But Paul's got an interesting list of things here. And I'll just go through them with you and kind of, uh, as a checklist for you to look at and understand. These are the things that can quench the Spirit. Uh, here's the deal, right? Uh, when we look at authority in our lives, you know, we've got to understand authority in its place in our lives. And when we book against it, we do ourselves damage. By the way, that's talking about it in the context. I'm talking to a pastor, an ex-pastor now, uh, this week, and he is out of the ministry. And um, he, my heart was grieved talking to him. Yes, he's a good guy. And um, he's out of the ministry. And, and really what's happened for him is he's just weary, worn out, tired of it all. Now, we live in strange days. We live in really strange days. Uh, we live in a day when, uh, 20 odd years ago when I started in the ministry, you know, this was kind of the norm in society. But in 20 years, a whole lot of things have happened. And nobody trusts anybody, particularly leaders and even ministers. And so what happens very often now is you have congregations and you have pastors, and there's not a unity between them. There's an us and them mentality. And I've seen it again and again. Understand, that's bad. That's bad for the church. That's bad for the work of God. There's supposed to be a bond between us, an understanding uh, <clears throat> that, uh, of the work of God. And it's, if you notice that what it says is that you're to esteem them for their work's sake. The pastors are to be esteemed for their work's sake. It's the church, it's the work of God that counts. And then it says we're to be at peace among ourselves. You know what? That could be an issue between you and being quenching the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. You know, as a church, we've got to watch out for each other. Everybody uh, is not as strong as all the other people. And we've got to watch out for each other and take care of each other. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but... Ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. We are not to have the mentality of payback. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. That's all supposed to be in his hand. We're supposed to be watching out for each other. We're supposed to have a mindset that is looking out for each other. Not a mindset uh, where we're actually looking to score points off somebody. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice evermore. You know what? <clears throat> You can't walk with the Spirit and not rejoice. You say, hang on a minute. Uh, surely if I was walking with the Spirit, I would be rejoicing. Yes, you would, but there's a command here. You're told to do it. You're told to rejoice. You're told to rejoice evermore. Now, how are you going to rejoice evermore? There's so many bad things happening in the world. You don't feel like rejoicing every day. But you know what? If you're going to walk in the Spirit, if you're going to walk in His power and know His blessing in your life... You're going to have to rejoice. That's something of the Spirit, but something obviously that you do too. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. If you're going to walk with the Spirit all through the day, there needs to be in your heart and in your life that enjoyment of His presence and that constant prayer. It's not you on your knees with your hands folded and your eyes closed all day, but that all through the day there's prayer. There's communion with God. You know those days when uh, you come to the end of the day and you say, man, have I been with God since I had my devotions? Have I really been? Those are bad days. 
Those are days when you haven't been walking in the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, He's there, and His presence is there, and you know it. You're supposed to pray without ceasing. Uh, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's a powerful statement. You're supposed to be giving thanks all the time. Now, everybody in this room has had things happen uh, this week that they weren't particularly happy about. That weren't exactly how you planned for it to happen. You've had problems and difficulties come your way that, you know, this is not what you wanted. But do you realize that at some level it is what God wanted in your life? At some level, that's what God wanted to achieve in your life. And you need to give thanks. You need to be thankful for what God is doing in your life. You know, God is able to take your life and introduce into it exactly what he needs to make you like Jesus. And you need to respond to it with thankfulness. Because what appears to you to be an enemy, if it comes in the hand of a loving father, is not an enemy. It's a blessing. Then our verse. Quench not the Spirit. Don't put him out in your life. Don't say no to him. When he, when, he, when he fingers something for you in the Word, don't say no to him. When the Spirit of God comes to you and says, don't do that. Don't say no. Because what happens is, we're walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God speaks to us, and because we're kind of walking, going somewhere, doing something, we hear him, but we say no. And we carry on, but we carry on alone. We're no longer walking with the Spirit. You see, Adam and Eve, God came and spoke with them in the cool of the day until there was sin. And as soon as there was sin, there was no more God coming, walking with them in the cool of the day. That's what happens. When we let sin in, we quench the Spirit. And we're not enjoying that walk with Him uh, anymore. Third thing is, grieve not the Spirit. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, when it comes to grieving somebody, <clears throat> that's an interesting word that the Bible uses. And the idea of grieving is, okay, you, you, you kind of get the sense of, some, of a sharp point that, 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 that causes pain in somebody's life. Now, you, you can't grieve somebody who's not your friend. I mean, you can bother your enemies. You can anger your enemies. You can hurt your enemies. But you grieve your friends. And what we do is we grieve the Holy Spirit. There are certain things that we do that are going to grieve him, that are going to upset him, that are going to cause him uh, to withdraw in our lives. He never leaves. But he withdraws in our lives. Now, <clears throat> Ephesians 4.29 nails one of them. I think any sin is going to grieve him. But Ephesians 4.29 actually nails one that will do it every time. He says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Did you realize that we're all ministers? I'm the pastor, but we're all ministers. We're supposed to minister grace. We're supposed to minister edifying, building up grace to each other. Now, we don't always, do we? Oftentimes, we, we, we can use our mouths as, as weapons to hurt somebody. And when we do, we grieve the Spirit of God. Now, we've got, we really got to be careful about this one. Because, <clears throat> I, I don't know about you, but in my life, you know what? This is instant, out of the walk. You know, <clears throat> if, if you get angry... 
with somebody. Now, by the way, this is not to say that you can't actually deal with the situation, because the Bible in, in Ephesians chapter 4 commands you to be angry, commands you to deal with things. Right? So you can deal with things, but when you get angry and use corrupt communication and start tearing down, you know what? You just grieve the Spirit of God. Instantly, he's grieved, because you're supposed to be using words that edify, that build up. All the time. Now, see what it says. No corrupt communication. We're never to use it. Husband and wives, you're never to use corrupt communication. You say, well, listen, everybody has their rows. Listen, you may have your disagreements, but you're never to use corrupt communication. Never. You're just not, you're just not to do it. You know, by the way, if you do this in front of your kids, your kids will learn to do it too. That's, that's just the way it works. But that's not the issue. The issue is the Spirit of God is grieved. There's no corrupt communication that's supposed to come out of our mouths. We're supposed to speak words that edify, that build up, that lift up all the time. And when we do, and when we grieve the Spirit of God instantly, you'll know it. You'll sense it. He's grieved now. He's hurt. He's withdrawn. Did somebody ever say something to you that grieved you? We'll say between a husband and wife. <clears throat> you know, the wife says something to the husband that grieves him. What's your response? You just withdraw. You recoil. Husband says something to a wife that cuts her and hurts her. She withdraws. Parents say something to a child that cuts and grieves them. And by the way, dads, let me warn you particularly. It's very easy for you to do this with, with your children. Because you know what? They can't fight back. They don't have the ability to actually um, stand up to you and say to you, you can't say that to me, that's wrong. And they have to take it. But you can grieve and wound a child so they close their spirit off to you. And you know what? You are going to have a hard time raising a child who's got a closed spirit towards you. You're going to have a hard time impacting that child. See, that's what happens. <clears throat> if we grieve each other enough, what happens is we build a wall of protection. To protect us, and it's a it's a bad deal, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, so, so you say, well, what do I do if I've used corrupt communication? Well, it's simple. Confess it, get it right with God. Tell them it was wrong, and you shouldn't have done it. And by the way, you're going to have to go to the other person too and confess it with them too, and deal with, deal with it with them too. And you think, oh man, I can't do that with my kids. If I do that with my kids, they'll just be they'll just think I'm a loser. No, you know what? Might be the best conversation you've ever had with your kids. You go to them and you say, listen, forgive me. I should not have said those things to you. Please, please forgive me. Let, me. let me try and take those things out. You, you pray for me because I'm going to try and never do that again. You know what? All of a sudden, your child is now safe with you again. But <clears throat> more than that, the Holy Spirit is right. You're right with the Holy Spirit. You're right with Him. And we need him in our power. Now, we, we started off looking at the idea of walking in the Spirit. And really, we're looking at three simple things. First of all, we need to be holy, spiritually holy, by God's power. That, that, that's got to be a reality in our life. That's an issue. Secondly, we need not to quench the Spirit in our lives. Most we'll sometimes do something and he's quenched. He's just, it's, it's out. He's, he's quenched because of something we've done. We need not to quench the Spirit of God in our lives. And then we need not to grieve the Spirit of God in our lives.
not to do something that's going to grieve him and cause him to withdraw in our lives. Now, <clears throat> Sunday morning, great time for us to think it through. Have you done something that's grieved the Spirit of God this week? See, last Sunday we left an eye. We talked about being filled with the Spirit, and we left in a wonderful place where you know everybody was saying, yeah, that's what I want. And probably, I don't know, probably some of you went out of this place, and you went out of this place right, traveling right up there. So, yes, that's it. That's what I need. And then at some point during the week, you sinned, you quenched, you grieved, and you were no longer enjoying it. And you know what? By the following Sunday, you can get to the place where, yeah, it was a nice idea last Sunday. Last until Sunday afternoon, and then it was back to me. Now, what you need to do is you need to understand the mechanics of the walk. Understand how it happens. You say, but pastor, I'll just fall again today. You may well do. Remember, it's like the child that's walking along and they fall and they fall and they get back up. After a while, uh, they get to the place where they can walk in him. Now, never comes a day where you can't grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. You can do that. But you know what? Uh, the more you learn to walk with him, the less you can do without him. And the quicker you get things right between you and him. So is there something this week that's come between you and him that's hindered that sweet walk you thought you had last Sunday morning? Is there something that's grieved him? Maybe you never did. Maybe, maybe the reality in your life, you've never come to that place where you said, Lord, I want to be filled. I want all that, that, that you have for me. You could do that today. And just like when you got saved, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You can have the Spirit of God uh, as your partner, as your friend, to walk with in your life. What more do you need? What could be better than having that in your life? Ask Him. And then, if you've sinned, if you've grieved Him, or if you've <clears throat> quenched Him this week, listen, get that right. And get right back up and walk with him. And I understand, you know, for, for a while in your life that there's a lot of falling down and getting up and a lot of falling down and getting up. But then, then what will happen is someday you'll realize, you know what? I've been walking with him now for quite a while without falling off. Now, because we're human, you probably will fall off again. Right? But you know, the reality is you were made for this walk with him. Why don't you ask him today? Ask him today to do that in your life. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the blessed spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you come and that you walk and that you move in hearts and lives. And, Lord, that you do your work in us. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, <clears throat> Lord, your people are gathered here before you. And, Lord, we do have hungry hearts. And, Lord, we do want you. Lord, I don't think there's a child of God in this room that doesn't want you and doesn't want your spirit and doesn't want that sweet walk with you. And, Lord, we know the enemy would like to derail us and get us to the place where we can't or we don't think we can. But, oh, blessed spirit, would you speak to each one? Would you be a friend to each one here today? Would you show each one, Lord, what is necessary? Lord, where somebody has never really come to the place where they've yielded to you, Lord, might they do it right now? Speak to that one. For somebody's grieved or quenched or uh, hurt you by sin this week, oh, blessed Spirit, would you put your finger on it and show them it, that it might be dealt with? 
But oh Lord, make Lifegate Bible Baptist Church a place where your people walk in the Spirit, where we live with you and know your presence and know your power, and Lord, where we know the wonders of your working in our lives. Now, Lord, would you undertake, would you do it in your way, in your time, in each heart, in Jesus' precious name.